All right, all right. <laughs> Welcome back to another very special episode of A Little More Good. We're sitting here at the uh, rectangular table here with a childhood friend, Shauna Knapp. Hi. Welcome, Shauna. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So, grew up, grew up together at Steveston High School. I can actually still remember... The first day when, you know, I went in, walked into that that beautiful purple and gold school. Yes. And um, I, I mean, this might sound shallow now, but I was so excited because there's so many new girls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I remember like, I, mean, I, I remember meeting you and uh, like your crew. And I was yes. like, all right, there's there's new girls to talk to. That's so and, wild. And, uh, you know, you made an early impression. And <laughs> here we are, 30, 25 some years <laughs> later and uh crazy we're still friends you live in la now and i'm Mm -hmm. always trying to bring you back to to vancouver maybe maybe one day with a commune or something like that yes (laughs) yes let me know let me know the plan i'm in so we've got our 20-year reunion coming up for for high school maybe that dates us but um anyway shauna was in town and we don't get to see each other that often and i thought i would selfishly invite you to a podcast just so that i could have you hostage to have conversation (laughs) for for you know a period of time so thanks for saying yes and and joining us so happy to be here it's so good to be here um already loved hanging out and meeting you and it's been really fun um and being in steveston and driving by all what the, used to be Steveson High School is very upsetting guns. every yeah. single time, I have to say. I know. It still makes me sad because yeah. it was such, we had um, such a special high school, especially our, our crew. Know. We all just loved each other so much. I and, know. and there was like a community there. And yeah. I can say now there's not at the new school. Yeah. They, for those listening, our high school got knocked down. It was like the yeah. oldest school in Richmond and merged with another high school and kind of all the history and alumni and. All that stuff went out right? there. I know. It's like even just like the hatchery and all these like old, like really kind of, yeah. I don't know, iconic Did you spaces. ever go to, we had a salmon hatchery at our like high school. Did you, ever, no did you yeah. ever go in there? I did. I don't think I went it in there. It was not in operation maybe <laughs> by the time, <laughs> but it was there. <laughs> I remember going there in like our grade eight orientation because yes. it was like a selling point of like something they were proud of. But I don't think I went in there once during high school. I don't even know where it was in the building. That's a really good point. I can re- I can picture it. I just don't remember like when exactly I went in, but I can picture it. And recently I spoke to someone who was starting like an innovation lab somewhere and they said they had this really creative name, the hatchery. And I was like, oh, where I went to school, we had a real hatchery. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you about yeah. that. I went, I went to school across town. I was at Canby, which is like an East Richmond school. So mm-hmm. that's why I've got like that kind of hard edge. Yeah, that edge for sure. Yeah, for sure. Did you, did you go to dances at Canby? <laughs> the Canby dances were... They, maybe, they, yeah. They maybe got a little one. wild. Yeah, they were a little more rowdy. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I, I have a friend that went less, to Canby. Less tame than our bar mitzvah dances. <laughs> Yeah, but there was, there was always something so special about, like, Zach and I knew each other in high school as, like, adversaries. We played basketball against each other. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then the big man at Canby. No way. Yeah. Look at this coming together. So Who we put our differences thought? aside, and you even showed up at my house the other day with uh, the Steveson Packers, like, basketball t-shirt, like, the throwback. And I was yes. like, is that, like, a it's like remake? Because I've seen some people around now, and they're, like, printing them new, so That's you can get cool. them, but then That's it was like cool. an original. Original grade eight. I've grown into it now. Yeah, Beggy was so cool. Yeah, so I had like still is like it kind of fits me now. 
You know, I played basketball. <laughs> I remember. I have a memory of you I was on horrible. the grade eight basketball team. Yeah, um, B team, B on team. The B team. There was two teams. I wasn't gonna say the B team, but I know. <laughs> it's definitely on the B team. Steph and Christine were not on the but, B team. <laughs> but I, but I remember walking into the practice because we were practicing after you guys. Yeah. And you saw like all the boys walk in, and you're just your hustle went up like a hundred percent. You just like were like, damn, Sean has got hustle. I actually remember that now that you say that. You have that memory? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I remember trying harder suddenly. No, but I also remember the white uniforms were yep. really nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not my strong suit, but also played football. Yeah. There was, there was girls football, but not guys. Yeah, no guys football, Yo. only girls. Yeah. Living in the U.S. and sharing that little tidbit of information is extremely confusing to people. They're yes. like, you had powder puff and yeah. no... Yeah. You guys are pretty good too. I feel like yeah. you like, no, it wasn't, like didn't bad. lose or something like that. I don't know <laughs> if that's true, but let's play, go with it. <laughs> undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, we were undefeated for that's sure. Good. But Steveson had an iconic gym. I oh, always man. I always yeah. loved playing in the Steveson gym because it was like it was so old that, that and the floor was amazing. Like it was so It's actually so sad. Yeah. The old Steveston and the old Richmond High. Yeah. The gyms mm-hmm. in those two buildings were unreal. It just felt like you could jump like two inches higher or something. Yeah. I don't know. And the smell, like mm. it was just old the and whole, probably asbestos. But <laughs> Probably. That might <laughs> be why they knocked it down. Yeah. But the crowds at Seaston, oh. we always felt like we could win because our crowd was like, our, was the best. Yeah. Like, they packed it. It felt like, you know, a special place. Yeah. Um, you know, before we kind of get into, we bring things up to speed to the modern day once we're done reminiscing. I think something that was like, special about our crew um i think both shauna yourself and myself and a lot of people in our grade like we were kind of like cool kids but we're also nerds like we like we're like i liked (laughs) hanging with yourself and and the other kids in our group because like we also would like we'd talk about parties and sports but we'd also be like yo like english lit ap (laughs) like you know like we were very academic and we like i always enjoyed talking about school with you yeah um we were like all of us wanted to do well in school Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. have a good time yep and i think that was like i don't know maybe canby was the same maybe we lived in a, a bubble but i felt like we were unique because we wanted to do well academically we wanted to party and we wanted to do sports so we're like well balanced it was kind of like a nicely balanced group where like you know we were good kids but we also wanted to have some fun yes and i remember lots of parties at your house yes jello shooters and stuff like that oh my god (laughs) i i have to say yeah we did have a lot of parties at my house yeah (laughs) shout out to neil nap you know they would leave just on like the best week they'd be like it's halloween we're going away for the weekend i'm like that that's just asking for it at that point. Oh. Um, but I agree. We were really balanced and it never felt like uncool to care about doing well in school and, yeah. and putting in effort like that was. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we're we were ahead of our time in that sense. Yeah. It wasn't nerdy to care about uh, no. academics. No. So no. There cool. we go. There we go. Cool to care. Cool yes. to care. Cool to care. But, and that's like so much about like who we are today too. It's so interesting. I was yeah. going to say the, <laughs> yeah. the unfolding of that I think yeah. for both of you like Sean just getting to know you but yeah. like that's the that's the through line right? No like, you're right. One of the things I always hear about Zach and it's like oh yeah your buddy's with Zach or whatever it's like oh he's like the nicest guy like he just cares so much mm-hmm. right from 
the the juice truck and like what obviously you stand for behind there but just that you're like the nicest guy and so cool right and I was like well yeah he's okay <laughs> but then also like the work that you've been doing too right just like helping people and connecting people with you know agencies and to, to create help in the world like it is it's cool yeah. to care yeah awesome. I I appreciate that it's interesting because recently someone asked me like why I got into this work and like obviously there's altruism and I, we can get into like spirituality and Judaism and all of those pieces like certainly that created the foundation I always felt like a, a responsibility to do good but I actually believe for some reason and maybe it's this bubble you're talking about because I didn't think of it this way I just said it was always cool to do good like the, mm. it didn't it was not a stretch it was not um you know it, like doing good in the world was actually social currency and so like that is so crazy to me that maybe we're ahead of our time because people ask me like how'd you get into this so early people now are thinking about social impact and businesses that do good and philanthropy and all of it like oh how did you know to get into this so early I'm like what do you mean of course like it was just the obvious thing to do yeah that's awesome and there's always going to be there's always going to be opportunities like there's always going to be needs that can be met and even as we progress and care for more and more people marginalized or just affected like you think of you know people in in currently like in Maui and Lahaina yeah like there's always going to be some sort of need that is urgent or just persistent that we can like level up and step up for and say hey what do I have that can help you out whether it's Mm -hmm. you know like an interaction with a stranger or something major like a like a world kind of catastrophe or whatever mm-hmm. that we can get involved with so yep no every little action counts I really believe that more and more and honestly more than I used to I think I used to discount those like small acts of good mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. ways it's like oh it was about systemic change and we need to do big big th- and more and more I'm just learning how much those little things matter too and how you can really make a difference yeah hey everyone just interrupting today's episode to share a bit about our sponsor We are so happy to be partnering with AG1 because really taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last couple of years, we've been taking AG1 every day, no exception. It's simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And honestly, when I take it, it makes me feel energized, nourished, and ready to take on the day. And that's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. And honestly, that's why I love it. I like to drink AG1 first thing in the morning, which is recommended for optimal nutrient absorption. I fill up my shaker with some extra cold water and add one scoop of AG1. Shake it up and I'm ready to go. And even if I'm running short on time and can't mix up my AG1 before heading out, I'll grab one of the handy travel packs. Each is an individual serving of AG1 that's easy to mix on the go, helping ensure I get my daily nutrients no matter what. It makes it easy at home, at work. It's awesome, so good to have. Simple habit that's good and good for you. And we're so happy to have AG1 as a partner because we really believe in their product and know that it works. Honestly, if there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership over your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five of those free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash more good. That's drinkag1.com slash more good. Check it out. 
I think those little things can, like we always talk about the the invisible ripple of things. Yep. You know, like someone could be having a bad day and you smile at them and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you shift their mood and they smile at someone else and all of a sudden you have this like yep. ripple of positivity like yes. that you may have started or, or been a participant in and, yep. and not even realized where where the infinite ending mm-hmm. of, of that um, totally you know agree. small action can be so totally um, you know you mentioned altruism can you kind of like share what that means to you and mm-hmm. kind of you know you mentioned that you started at a young age and and I know you know just following always been like a, a cheerleader of you know following your your journey you know you've been from Israel to New York to California and like you've you've worked in some some wild and fascinating places and you've always had like a a clear drive and ambition from a young age where a lot mm-hmm. of us were like kind of figuring out what we wanted to do like you seem to kind of have a path that you understood that you were going to walk on. So mm-hmm. can you kind of like tell us what altruism means to you? Um, yeah. And how, how that kind of began? Yeah, it is. I mean, like from a foundational perspective, like I do remember learning at a young age, like basically there were like rankings of goodness in Judaism mm. and um, good deeds like come in different forms and sizes. And like, it's, it's so interesting, but like, the Torah just has so much in it, um, so much knowledge and wisdom that I probably didn't realize how much it impacted me from a young age. But um, good deeds were actually ranked on a scale of like something, you know, a small that you can do for someone, like a favor versus, you know, the whole like teach a man to fish versus giving them a fish, like teaching someone a skill. Um, but the highest form of um, doing good was always like an anonymous um good deed so Mm -hmm. like not actually getting any credit for it um and I definitely think that was a part of my kind of belief system growing up that like it's not like the world is a game but like the more good things I could do in the world like the better I would feel like in some ways it was I think selfish like it made me feel good and me feel complete if I felt like I had this higher purpose and so I think it just never went away for me but there was like a clicking moment um like in terms of where I wanted to focus that energy um and it happened honestly primarily at UBC I took this uh, this course the history and philosophy of science with a professor called Dr. Robert Brain um and it was about basically developed like different scientific revolutions and how they shape society and it was it was a course essentially about bioethics but it wasn't called bioethics but it was really like a prelude to that and talked about how like no action that we make is really like value free so like everything that we do does like as you were talking about like every smile can have a reaction the same way like the inverse can happen and we studied really closely the Manhattan Project and a few other like major scientific you know revolutions and how they impacted the world and I think from there I just became very obsessed with that interaction um, and also really interested in bioethics overall and how technology I mean certainly today changes um, the way that we live Uh, but it just became a bit of an obsession of like looking at things from an ethical perspective and so ethics is technically in philosophy I was in the history program um, and then moved over to philosophy doesn't matter but the point is it just became a bit of an obsession of like how do you do the most good Um, and certainly from an individual level there are different ways you can but I 
became interested in how like institutions could and how people of influence could do good just because the way that power kind of shifts and where it exists like I felt like the more I could help influence that the more good I could do in the Mm. world but yeah I don't that didn't really answer the question completely but I do I don't think altruism has to be anonymous like I'm in a place where I'm like it's I think it can inspire other things like others to do good too I think it's great to be really open and transparent about what you want to see in the world and it helps manifest for others so I'm all about sharing it Mm -hmm. and as a parent of two yes is this like a distilling value that you consciously try to kind of bring forth with your kids it is it is that there is a great irony and I will share this but like I'm so sorry to future Olive (laughs) I love her so and like there is my daughter is I have a six-year-old and then I have a two-year or sorry three-year-old now Ruben so Olive and Ruben we call him Ruby so Olive is um so incredible she's like the most creative child she's so outgoing we tell her her superpower is like she can make friends like snap of her fingers she knows that she is just like full of life and love and all of these things and um she is missing the empathy bone like there is not a shred of empathy in that child (laughs) like last night we were having dinner her food came first my son's food they forgot to put in and she had so much and we're like could you just get you ordered the same thing just give him a few pieces and then when his comes he'll give you back you know like and then you'll have hot food absolutely would not took a good 30 minutes to convince her to give him like a tiny little piece of her meal and then she was like I will never do that again I'm such a jerk for even saying this but like I feel like I've been presented with this like very unique Mm. situation where like my world and my job and all that I do is about yes building empathy doing good in the world helping others and then I have this daughter who was like yeah no that's just like not my thing really (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. But there's also this strong part of me that's like, she'll be able to do anything. And I like, I'm like, I don't want to repress that like female energy of like, she does not apologize for who she is and she is strong willed and all of those things. And like, I do believe empathy is really important. That's an important life skill. I think it's a lot like, I think some people it's natural, but I think you can learn empathy. Yes. And oh, her school sure. tells me that, that yeah. you know, they're going to teach her. <laughs> they're going to teach her. I'll send you this later, but there's these great books uh, you can watch on YouTube also called Little Spot. Oh. So there's like Little Spot of Anxiety, Little Spot of Empathy, Little Spot of Collaboration. And they're all like these great kids books. I'm we like, need that. I basically feel like they parent for me. I'm like, okay, I need <laughs> <Great>. to like <laughs> learn these things. I'm just like, I feel like a good parent when I'm like, even put it on YouTube. I'm like, okay, fin- <laughs> fin- Finical are learning. There you go. That, yeah. uh, <laughs> go. No, I think, yeah, it'll definitely, I'm sure it'll be a work in progress. And yeah. like, it's interesting. She loves volunteering with me. Like she gets it, but yeah. there's just, it is proof to me that, yeah, you need, it's something you need to learn just like yeah. math or science. Like you need yeah. to learn empathy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a, it's like a muscle that needs to be exercised in order yes. to like, feel what it feels like and it can be uncomfortable to be like oh I got this and like I see you don't have it so I'm just gonna like no. <laughs> probably like compounded by the fact that it she's hungry and <laughs> yes. it's her brother it's like yes. forget him like I'm eating this yeah. right 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 but maybe still. for a stranger I yeah. should test it <laughs> yeah, I should test yeah. it yeah that little boy over there needs him oh, yeah. Okay. oh yeah yeah, no, totally. yeah, yeah. It's a good no it's a good point and it's something I'm um 
Yeah, definitely. And then Ruben is the polar opposite. It's just fascinating. Mm, he's you know, got a big heart. Big heart. Like, yeah. how, always asking how he can help. Aww. Daddy, can I help you? That, like, simple question, you're like, I might cry yeah. from that question alone. Like, um, That is an amazing question. Could you yeah. imagine if you just went around and asked people that? Like, can I help you? Yeah. I know. I, it almost brought him to tears because he, he was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I can't even believe it. And then we left the restaurant and he goes, Daddy, do you have your headphones? <laughs> like checking to make sure he brought everything. <laughs> we all need Ruby in our lives. Yeah, we need oh, a Ruby awesome. in our lives. Yeah. It's amazing how our children can like be mirrors to like who we are, mm-hmm. and it, but also like reflect the parts of us that we value the most. And they're like right. not quite there yet, yes. or they're like, why do you do that like that? Yes. And but I mean, there's so many there's so many studies and stuff that show the best way to raise your kids is just to like live a life that mm-hmm. you want to, to like in front of them right. that they can see. So right. that sort of thing can empathy be taught. Like I think you're you're the master instructor, mm-hmm. right? And we always need other people mm-hmm. just uh, you know not just mom and dad or yes. you know, whoever's raising the kids to to model it. We need other people, but it's so interesting when I think of my own girls too and I look at them and I'm like, "Oh man." <laughs> uh, like and that's like me on a bad day, right? right? right. Or that's like the best of me in the purest form or the best of my wife and it's you're like, "Oh, so that's true. so magical, but it's such a mirror of like how we live." It's very it's, very true. Yeah. They do. They really do learn that way. Oh yeah. And so do we. Right. Yep. Like we're just constantly I'm constantly learning to try and be a better version of myself. I gotta of, share my food then because <laughs> <laughs> that's that was the that was what was poking at me. I'm like, oh, I don't want to share. I don't <laughs> get your own fries. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, you had a sister. It's funny, like, okay, yes. I was I was the Ruby. I always wanted to yes. share all my food and my sister was like, Fuck no, like get your own food. <laughs> no. Um, that makes me feel better. Were you, like were, were you the nice. share or like oh, um, I mean yes, little yeah, sister you were, you would were, do anything. I mean both. I also stole her clothes and like mm. would wear her things and then ruin them. But <laughs> but no, I was definitely the nicer yeah, kid yeah, for sure. That makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, Lana. Um <laughs> Dean, you wanna jump into that poem and we can kinda Yeah. Go into some directions from that. So yeah, I guess like speaking of parenting and our children, Mm -hmm. uh, you posted this great poem by William Martin. Do not ask your children to strive. So we'll read it and then we can can kind of jam on what comes up. Do not ask your children to strive for extraordinary lives. Such striving may seem admirable, but it is the way of foolishness. Help them instead to find the wonder and the marvel of an ordinary life. Show them the joy of tasting tomatoes, apples, and pears. Show them how to cry when pets and people die. Show them the infinite pleasure in the touch of a hand. And make the ordinary come alive for them. The extraordinary will take care of itself. So beautiful. I love it. I love you reading it. It's great. Um, I love this quote so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah, I think, honestly, there's so much in there that resonates and it's just been like a bit of a theme for me lately of just like for my kids I think they're live in LA I think there's a lot of striving for greatness and also to like provide these incredible experiences for your kids and it's amazing like Mm -hmm. it's cool to see and like I just have this in my head constantly of like finding the joy in the ordinary and that just really spoke to me um and just spending more time like appreciating the little the little things in life I just feel like it's it's so important so I, I mean honestly a big part of that is like spending time in nature and giving them time to actually appreciate 
what is already around us um, versus always needing to like feel like we need to go somewhere crazy and mm-hmm. extraordinary or expensive or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it hit a nerve for me. Maybe it was also a reminder too. Just, yeah. Yeah. I like that point. I think um, we need to celebrate and and connect with that ordinary because I think... Mm-hmm. You know, life is up and down. It's not a it's mm-hmm. not a flat line or a one way street. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, most of it there is the ordinary. You know, there's some yes. highlights along the the timeline. But if yes. we can find peace and happiness and joy and empathy and mm-hmm. all these other things in the ordinary, mm-hmm. I was listening to this guy today. I can't even remember his name, Cars or John Cars or something like that. And he was talking about like faith is not um like definitive or a destination it's just an invitation to curiosity Mm. and like we try to when we preach and we teach it's very definitive but the whole idea the whole principle of faith is just to to be open-hearted and curious Mm -hmm. and for it to be kind of a starting point Mm -hmm. versus versus an ending point um and that kind of makes me think of the ordinary, you know, like it's, it's the everyday, mm-hmm. it's, you know, every day there's, it's not a conclusion, you know, it's, right. it's an open-ended possibility. And if we yes. can have that grace and, and wonder, uh, I love that word wonder in there, mm-hmm. um, then there's magic in life versus just kind of tuning out and waiting yes. for those special highlight moments. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. We had, we had, uh, I was just saying before we went on. I hit record like we were away with a bunch of friends this yes. weekend and it was like in some ways just like a very great time but like an ordinary right we're going away camping whatever this hybrid camping some people staying in a cabin sort of situation mm-hmm. and then um there was just these couple moments where kids were all hanging out together or with different adults that they didn't belong to and just yeah. seeing like just the comfortability comfortability and yes. like love from just that whole group it's like an ordinary beach hang, but mm-hmm. I just like had this moment of pause where I was kind of standing at the back of the group and just like did the 180 like yes. survey the scene. It's like, oh, they're playing in the water with that person who's not their dad. And yep. these girls are all sitting on the log with these three girls that like, you know, yes. just friends. And it was so extraordinary, yep. but it was just that moment of ordinary. I, I loved it. It no, made me... It's magic, honestly. Yeah. It is magic. And I think it's... I could be wrong. It does feel like it those have become a bit more of the, like they've become less frequent. And so they're sometimes more magical just because our lives are so busy and it's difficult to find those times just to Mm. be and like be in community and like be in your community in in moments like that. So it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like we need to strive for the ordinary instead of striving for the extraordinary. Right. Or just like let it happen. Right. Right. There's a great quote. I remember seeing someone post it. uh, They're like a dad blog or something and it was like mm-hmm. from jerry seinfeld have you heard of this one the garbage time no oh he's like he he says i i push back on the idea of quality time mm. he's like give me the garbage time yeah i want the time where you just like take a look in their room and they're just reading their comic book and mm-hmm. you stand there for a minute yep or like eating a bowl of cheerios on the couch at 11 p.m when they're supposed to be in bed mm-hmm. like it's those moments of like help me take the garbage out that is like it's meaningless and it's yep. empty but those are like the moments of everything he's like everyone says oh, i want quality time and they plan this big adventure or a big trip yep. or, and they wait yes to spend time when it's like you could just be doing that in like little moments it's like oh I Jerry. think about that. I honestly, wait, that's a Jerry sign. Yeah. I'm shocked. Cause I have seen like, there was actually like data to back that up. Like for, 
families that don't live in the same city that like they're basically that yeah the quality time does not the quote unquote quality quality time you plan for doesn't make up for all of those in between moments that you're missing um which is just so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good reminder for myself because I think as a parent, like, you know, I'm, uh, my wife Megan's at home with the kids and mm-hmm. I'm at work. So when I get home, I want that, I want to deliver that wow factor. I yeah. want to show up with Lego or go to the best playground or like do something wild and crazy. But it's yep. like, they yep. don't need that. They just need like, they just want time. They just want to play with their Lego and, and, me to be present with yes. them put my phone away and like and that is so key do you not find that like that to me I'm the worst version of myself the worst parent if I am like trying to do two things at once mm, like that yeah. is what I have realized and like by the way that this is like a thread too in some way of just like the attention economy that whole conversation it's like probably the other rabbit hole I've been on lately which is just like the attention basically spending more time paying attention to like where your attention is going Mm -hmm. and I have a friend in LA Tommy Sobel he started this thing called the brick movement where it's basically just like people getting together putting their phones in like I think he uses like old VHS cases and put them away um and just like spending time together now he actually like works with folks like directly who want to like better manage their screen time productivity and all of that but it's just like I know LA is um well, it's everywhere, you know, like, yes. like, you know, we were talking about our high school. I think we were so privileged and fortunate because it was before yeah. phones and social media. So we had the ordinary was, yeah. you know, all the time and we just got to be with each other yep. and we weren't yeah, distracted. Like biked you know? over to each other's houses. Like I just, yeah. it's like not happening in the same yeah. way. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's become a bit of an obsession I mean, like, obviously, our, our, you know, our kids watch television. We're, like, managed about it, and we're not um, afraid of them having access. It's more so just when it comes to platforms that are so powerful and have, like, put so, so much resource into keeping their products addictive. And, uh, like, the, that just for me is hard now. Okay, so let's talk about the attention economy because it is like I mean we talk about that being our attentions our greatest currency. Yeah. yeah. And um also like fostering wonder whether that's for yourself yes. or for your family like how do you how do you bring that into your awareness? Mm-hmm. Uh I think they kind of those two are linked our attention economy and and mm-hmm. um fostering a sense of wonder. I mean all of it. I I definitely feel like the my husband's probably better at it overall. He's like the king of just of the wonder piece because he can make something out of anything, and he gets really mad when I try and recycle the cardboard that comes to our house. <laughs> He's like, "What are you doing? That is a perfect car box, or like that's a perfect plane, or like you know." So he's really good at um, at the creativity piece, and we're we're growing um, tomatoes in our backyard. So I think the the tomato and now selling them um olive was selling them for a hundred dollars a bunch Businesswoman. <laughs> yeah no i'm telling you like she's unstoppable she's, unstop- <laughs> she's unstoppable I love uh, yeah there will be no social impact uh uh give back her company <laughs> I'm um but record profits every year <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly no i mean it's tough because i think um 
because of like when we did come into our careers like we came into a time where you could always be on and I think for a long time I really like prized the fact that I could I called it like oh I don't have work-life balance I have work-life integration like my work is my life and vice versa and it was very I felt like I you know I was basically always working and my Mm -hmm. husband's similar like we both are like kind of workaholics in that way and I um yeah I just had to take stock of it and realize that it just wasn't working as a parent like it's really different before kids and it's just I just have to be able to put it away like my kids don't really ask for a screen unless I'm on it and it's like every single time if I'm on my phone like they will ask for a screen but Mm -hmm. if I'm not they won't and so it's like I think it's back to what you said Dean about like just being like actually living what I want their lives to be and it's tough I'm not saying it's easy like everything is on our phone I'll try to explain like I'm ordering groceries like I'm doing this thing that is you know useful to our family but it it is really really hard so I don't pretend to have it figured out but um definitely trying to like actually unplug leave my phones phones plural I have like a work phone (laughs) try and leave them um turn them off and actually spend that time yeah yeah. Well, that's what interesting. Kids do you have? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Turn them off. Leave them yes. in a different room. But it yes. is. It's like uh, it's tough when our work and our lives are very integrated, mm-hmm. and we like what we do. It's easy to just be on, but then you have to kind of look and say, okay, what is the impact? Like I might be being you know filled up by this because I love the challenge mm-hmm. and I love taking care of problems like as they come up, whatever it might be. Yeah. But like, what is the impact on those around me? Like, mm-hmm. is this good for them? And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know you talked about it a little bit earlier, like your connection to Ju- Judaism and stuff. And I mean, it's always fascinating to me, like that one of the most sacred commands mm-hmm. is like rest. I know. And like, what I does know. Sabbath look like mm-hmm. in this digital 24 7, 365 economy that we're in? Yeah. Like, it's a rebellion yes. to say, I'm turning, like, my phone is going on airplane mode or it's going on, like, I'm turning it off. Yes. And I'm not going to look at it for 24 hours. Yep. Whew. I know. I know. My husband's family keeps Shabbat and they're, ama- and like, it is absolutely a non negotiable. Like, there's no, and it just becomes like the law of the family. Yeah. It just becomes part of, and I think it teaches discipline too. I mean, oh, like, yeah. he grew up eating kosher too. So that's like, you know, I think today he has like other rules he's added on top of it besides coaching, but like it teaches discipline. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, we should all be doing Shabbat. Right. And it's once a week. It's not like a, now there's like the global day of unplugging, like once a year, let's unplug. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh no, no, no. It should be once a week. Yeah. We absolutely need it. And I love it. I just like the preparation of it. Like, okay, what do we need to do today to prepare? Like it's a right. whole weekly reminder of like, there's more important things right. than just like work and being connected and plugged in and yeah. like let's let's recreate or let's yes. rest like truly rest like yes. not scroll and yeah I couldn't agree more and I do see like there are uh, like friends of ours in LA who super successful like so like literally crushing it and like keep Shabbat and are just like it's their one thing and I think if you're just upfront about it um, it's just I don't feel like it's quite normalized and I think I would still be like nervous about mm. reactions to shutting off like that. And this just gave me a push. I would love to do it. Cause we still kind of live in this like hustle, like yeah. hyper achievement culture where like, you know, we talk about rest and we talk about wellness and self care, but it's still like, you know, work, 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 work. Easier said than done. And I recognize like it's an immense privilege to be able to like shut off. Like, yeah, of course, I would love of to course. Be, but I would love to be able yeah. to. <laughs> 
So, okay, talking about, um, you know, growing up in the Jewish community, we have mm-hmm. like a big Jewish community in our, our school, which was kind mm-hmm. of like something neat. You know, there's a lot of multiculturalism. Um, for you kind of growing up in the Jewish community in Richmond, mm-hmm. was Judaism more a community and cultural part of your mm-hmm. identity or was it like part of your philosophy, your ethos of like... Right. Right. defining that altruism of, of like good versus mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to say good or bad because I think there yeah. are there is, it can be subjective but did it kind of help define what what that was for you uh, yeah definitely both but I think I grew up feeling more culturally Jewish than um religious and that's probably because like it's a little bit confusing to grow up in conservative Judaism at least in Canada like it's Um, A little bit, I would say it's like closer to reform, somewhere in between reform and conservative where like you, it's a bit of mixed messages because like you don't follow all of the rules, but then you're supposed to believe them the same. And so it does get a little confusing, I think. Mm. Um, And that's why I tended to navigate more towards like the cultural and community piece. But like that's what's so unique about Judaism is it's like not just, it's like many things like you're. When I go to the doctor and I write down what I like, my like, I literally say I'm Ashkenazi Jewish. Like, I don't think most religion, like, most people don't have to say what their religion is when they go to the doctor's mm-hmm. office. Like, it's an ethnicity, it's a religion, it's a, you know, there's a cultural aspect. So, I think it defined so much of my upbringing, like, everything from, you know, what I believed and how I lived my life to, um, how I spent my time to like where I've traveled of course I've like spent time in Israel and like feel really deeply connected to Israel so there's a lot there's a lot to unpack and like um it's still really important to me yeah it's an ethno religion is that right am I getting yes. that right which yes. is kind of a so. unique thing that it's like mm-hmm. um a group of people from a place in the world and mm-hmm. it's also a religion so it's yes. like um no it's I think it can be hard for people to understand that maybe didn't grow up in or around that community because it's not just a singular thing that, you know, it's, it's not just a core belief system. Mm -hmm. It's a community. It's a, it's a place. It's like, it's like traceable. Like it's why, I mean, it's really, really wild. I think it's just like, it's one of those things too, that it's been defined by these obviously like some really amazing and some really horrific moments where like I think I thought about that growing up that like no matter what I did I would always be Jewish like it's not really it's both a choice and not a choice um and it was probably learning about the holocaust that made me feel that way because Mm -hmm. I knew no matter how I behaved in life like if push came to shove and that moment came about us again like I would be in a certain like I would be considered Jewish and so I think there's a part of me that just felt like this is who I am. It's like such a strong part of my identity. And so I want, and I want it to be more than just, um, you know, <laughs> something really horrific, you know, like that kind of fate. But, and I, to be honest, grew up feeling, um, like when our school was tagged, like it was tagged, it was anti-Semitic. And like, yeah. we had like a handful of Jewish kids at our school. So yeah. it's like, it was always I, defined by the negative and I'm glad it doesn't feel as much like that anymore. That is an interesting point. So yeah, I remember that very clearly yeah. when our school was tagged with swastikas and yeah. we were like, had a larger Jewish group of, of kids than other schools and it right. felt like an attack on, on us. Yes. I mean, it was an attack on us. Yeah. Um, I've never really thought about this, how you put that, but like, okay, so my mom is not Jewish. My dad mm-hmm. is, but I've always identified as a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. And I think 
it's because of that history of of yeah. of struggle and and mm-hmm. defiance and and how you know the Jewish people were treated during World War II during the Holocaust mm-hmm. like I think that it's almost like a fear in a way which yeah. is kind of messed up but it's yeah. always like okay if this happened again not only would I be categorized with these people but I would also want to fight for for right. this group of, of right. people and what and it's very triggering mm-hmm. like any um anything that is you know holocaust related or about the the jewish historic mm-hmm. jewish struggles like very triggering yes. and i don't think that could be understood if you don't have that in your in your bloodline i think i mean dean for example is a highly empathetic person so i think you know you can understand it but um yeah. no it's a it's it is a real thing and i think especially now knowing that I don't know. It's something that tends to be minimized. And I understand that it's like not that if you're not visibly Jewish, you're not you don't feel like threatened walking around in your own skin. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's like a certain amount that like needs to be acknowledged. It's like different from other forms of hate. And it feels like it's getting worse and Mm -hmm. worse. And with the rise of like misinformation and just like there, I think it's like there are like wild stats about how many people actually believe the Holocaust happened. It's like. And we're losing, like, we're gonna, the last generation of survivors that can, like, tell their story, you know, from a firsthand account. Like, we're losing those stories and those mm-hmm. people. And so it's, like, it's really important. I've been, um, was recently talking to an organization called If You Heard What I Heard, where they're just saving stories from grandchildren of survivors. And so that basically just trying to ensure that those stories don't get lost because it it's... Yeah, it, it does feel like we're living in an age where like truth is kind of up for debate constantly mm-hmm. um, and needing to be defended. And yeah, that that's like a big that's a big one. <laughs> that's yeah. a big one. It is pretty wild. And it, like <laughs> I, I try to like opt out of a lot of social media because of that. Like, yeah. you know, I can go on and so and so is wearing like an anti-Semitic shirt or mm-hmm. are posting anti-Semitic things. And it's like there isn't an understanding of the history of mm-hmm. the Jewish people and it seems like acceptable because Jewish people can be white facing yeah. to yeah. just diminish the suffering in history and the fact that it's a very small like Jewish people make up less than 0.1% of the world right. population so it's like I think the greatest fear for me is like you know right. there's like very just few feel. Jewish people yeah. of, of that continuing to become a smaller number yep no I could not I it's really, really terrifying. On uh, to do a complete 180. Yeah, <laughs> we were um, we were doing this thing like you know, like in high school, how there'd be like funny games of like uh, you know, the, put together your elementary school name and your first pet name, oh, and yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. your stripper like name. Your so we're, name, we're yeah. doing that with um, with Ryan, and he's like Richmond Jewish Day School <laughs> Casper. <laughs> So we're all like have these funny names and his like stripper that's name was R- Richmond Jewish Day that's School. One. That's really bad. Yeah. I did like street name. So street it was, name. like Holly Bank, Teddy, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But okay. There was a lot of Hollies then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Confusing. In the Hollies. My brother-in-law lives on Holly Fields. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. go. Yep. Well, I think, I mean, I think if we can take away something from this conversation, it's like one theme for us has been like, exploring things from all perspectives like if you think this is how you believe like look at the other perspective even if it's something that makes you uncomfortable like yes go explore it 
and see where you feel after exploring it because I think if we want to be compassionate and empathetic and have these altruistic views like we we need to be inclusive of other views that can sometimes be hateful yeah and no I totally agree and explore it with them because I think if we extend an invitation versus put up a wall then there can be like a a bigger understanding versus just like getting angry on Instagram yeah that yeah it fuels a lot of that like yeah you just believe what you believe and then you hear from others that believe the same thing as you and it just be and I have to take myself out of that every once in a while to be like oh you are also subject to that like I'm not we're not immune to it and I think I always feel like I have this like moral high ground or like I yes. oh those other people who are being fed all that misinformation and it's like oh no like we all need to get out of our bubble yeah. um, yes yeah burst those bubbles so if you're listening and you mm. think one way maybe <laughs> look the other way and see what that looks like yeah yeah there's a great story like uh, in the sequel the second mm-hmm. half of the hebrew bible the new testament yes and this you know Cartoon. however <laughs> however we interpret him this uh, rebellious rabbi jesus tells mm-hmm. a story about this person praying in the temple and they're like um you know kind of like poor or they're not they're not the best person they're a sinner person of ill repute whatever and then a priest goes up and prays and says out loud I thank you, God, that I am not like this sinner over here. And it's so funny because it's such like a gotcha moment Mm. because you read the text and you're like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not like that. You know, it was a Sadducee or a Pharisee, whatever they were labeled as. Mm. And you're like, oh, thank God I'm not like that person. And you're like, oh, shit, I am. And so it's like kind of pulling yourself out, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing the meta of like, I'm going to post this thing because, and then see someone post something on the opposite side because they're equally fired up and then being yep. like, wait, and yes. you know, it's hard. It's, it's a practice, but like leading with curiosity or yep. wonder, yeah, um, and saying, why, like what would lead someone to post something that makes me feel like that's a hate filled right. sentiment that you're sharing. Right. And if we just like get angry and reply, yeah, it probably isn't going to do any good in the situation. We might feel justified and we might very well be justified to like, you know, stop hate mm-hmm. speech in its tracks. So we should, but by asking like, Hey, like curious, like where did you get your information? Like, why would you post that? What, mm-hmm. you know, where, where, and actually be curious and not just yeah. to like shut people down. Yeah. I mean, that's a far more nuanced approach and very difficult when we feel like triggered. No, I totally right? agree. Like, I like try to come from a place of, of, yeah, of curiosity and of asking questions and yeah. then we can start a conversation. But I will say it's like, the platforms are so incentivized yes. mm-hmm. by engagement and clicks and views and all and like those kind of not often like truthful or pithy kind of I don't know the, yeah. the clickbait I the just clickbait. feel like in some ways it's like we like are so quick to blame each other when like in reality there is like a stronger force yeah. that is totally and if we peel back the the curtain and say am I actually engaging with like a real human mm. person right. that has a opinion about this or right. is this like a whether or not it's like a bot but is this someone who is just incentivizing clicks mm-hmm. and da, 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 and they actually they actually don't even believe what they're saying right but they will continue to argue with you to get <laughs> yes, more comments more, and yes. tractions and so that's the thing like, will know. we ever win a social media battle uh, is it ever worth our time should we just put our phones away and be with our kids yes exactly <laughs> right. that's the theme. and we don't even need to show up at the battle no no Okay, a couple of quick rapid fire fun ones, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up until uh, <laughs> until next time. Yeah. Um, okay, just growing up together, we kind of shared 
pop culture references and i think i still mm-hmm. live in like y2k 90s in my like playlist <laughs> like it's like like yes. you know i don't i still listen to you know mariah carey's greatest hits and stuff like the that greatest those are the greatest hits of right? all time they're the greatest that's <laughs> mariah carey is my beatles yeah. um or what was your dad's i remember your dad had like what neil diamond or something oh he loved neil diamond and oh my god the like um like a great something piano like piano man like oh my goodness no no now he he did love neil neil diamond was big but there oh genesis oh big one love genesis okay so do you do you resonate more with the spice girls or destiny's child Spice Girls, for sure. Like, I can't even explain. Like, if we're... I'm in Houston right now, so I will say there was, like, a 7-Eleven. I think it's still... Maybe it's still there. No, it's not gone. there. Gone. The, okay. On Houston <laughs> Highway that I would, like, bike to, like, literally every day to get, like, a new bazooka, whatever that gum the was gum. that had, the like, stickers. the stickers. Yeah. The Spice Girls stickers. And then there were the Chuba Chubes. I was obsessed. In fact, I was interviewed by the radio because I wasn't able to get Spice Girls tickets. And it's really interesting because I think we're seeing this happen again, which is like regular people cannot just get tickets to their favorite concerts. And I was so upset. I'd like written all these letters and I had um, drawn all these pictures, whatever. And my, I don't know how it got to the radio, but they came and interviewed me about how upset I was that I couldn't get Spice Girls tickets. And I did end up getting tickets oh my gosh. through a scalper, nosebleeds, very, very, very high up. But it was... The best night of my life. So, yeah, Spice Girls, for sure. I, I remember collecting those, the Spice Girl, like oh, yeah. the Bazooka Joe gum. Yeah. And they had little stickers in them. Yes. For sure. You'd stick them all over my desk. Who's your Spice Girl? Uh, well, I was always I was always told to play sport. Like, if we dressed up, I was Sporty Spice, okay. which made pretty much no sense. We already covered <laughs> that I was on the B team in basketball. Hey, you went on the C team. <laughs> was on the C team. I always liked Ginger Spice, but yeah. I think, I, yeah. I don't know. She's a bit of a rebel. Okay. I also am realizing that was like my first advocacy moment was like being upset about not getting Spice Girls. Okay, no spice girls. Shows where my priorities are. There you go. Yeah. Okay, Backstreet Boys or uh, NSYNC? That's like impossible. That's, that's impossible. That's but probably the truth is like I always probably more so Backstreet Boys, but I actually think NSYNC, they're like a little more talented, I yeah. think overall. Yeah. Justin Timberlake had that longevity. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, but the BSB was like, like kind they, of undeniable. They yeah. came first, I think, right? Backstreet Boys yeah. was first. first. Yes. So I feel like that was kind of the, because yes. I agree. I think like NSYNC probably better group, but Backstreet Boys better. is just like, Yep, gotta yep. say. Um, and my first concert ever was Boys to Men. Boys so, yeah. That's yeah. even yeah, pre dating. <laughs> yeah, pre dating. Yeah, yeah, it was early. Um, okay, this is kind of maybe a, um, a trick one. Because we went to a Shania Twain concert together. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Oh, gosh. See, I remember you more than you remember me. You have such a good memory. No, I just don't have a good memory. I don't remember who gave us the tickets. We won them through, like, the school announcements. You, me, and Chelsea Gannett won. What? Yeah. I'm pretty she's sure. She's, like, touring right now. We should yeah, go again. still looks great. <laughs> yeah. I'm... So I'm Maybe like confirm this memory with Chelsea Gannett because she'll. Yeah, hoping, yeah she's like that was not. Hoping Shana. it was like, it's like <laughs> no, Lin- I think it's sure So would you take uh, Shania Twain or Mariah Carey? I think Mariah. Yeah, me too. I think Mariah, but I do. I send Shania up to yeah, fail though. But I do love Shania Twain. Mm-hmm. No, but Mariah, it's like. Yeah, greatest. The number one's album was definitely so like good. I would listen to that just for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. The best. Plus, if we got 
rid of Mariah, like how would we know when it's December? Exactly. <laughs> we really, really would don't. Exist, right? No, I her runs like her like those little screams. Oh. I don't even know what to call them. Yeah. Like no one else does. I'm like, I know. She's the best. Pretty iconic. All right, Gina, you want to close us out, my friend? Yes, for sure. Uh, it's been so fun chatting with you, Shauna. And uh, at, throughout the conversation, well, even before, I was like, oh, this is like a conversation that really could just encompass like the idea of the podcast, which is a little more good. Um, but early on, I was like, there's a word that I remember, but I don't remember. So I Googled it and I did remember. But anyway, that's a bit <laughs> of a ramble. Um, Sadaka. Yes. This is the Hebrew word for like justice and like kind of like doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think in many ways, like that's what we want to have with the podcast. A little more sadaka, a little mm-hmm. more good, a little more justice, a little bit more, mm-hmm. more righteousness. But we call that podcast, call our podcast that knowing that that's what we want to be about and do in the world. And so we always like to ask our guest, mm-hmm. like, what does that phrase mean to you mm-hmm. a little more good a little more good to me it's like showing up i think it's and whether it's for you know a cause you believe in or if it's for a friend that needs you just like how do you actually take action in your life um because just to me like sadaka is very much like a verb it's a very active thing like we and we can have you know it's difficult we're busy and we like to, you know you might send a text to check in on someone but it's like how can you just take that a little bit further like you're at the grocery store already and you know someone needs like I'm at the grocery store what do you need versus like how can I help you right. or like finding little ways just to show up in other people's um lives the way that you can in a way that is like attainable for you so that it's actually sustainable because I just feel like at the end of the day like like in Judaism like all of these things are about creating habits and if we can actually build it into the infrastructure of our lives so that it's not something that's like an extraordinary activity and more about the everyday ordinary than like we're golden. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, what it means to me. Awesome. I love that. Ordinary goodness <laughs> yeah. versus the extraordinary. Exactly. It doesn't need to be this grand, grand thing. Gesture. Exactly. And Fine. Same, yeah, with the kids. It's all, oh my gosh, it's all connected. Fine, good go. in the ordinary. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Shauna. That was so fun. That was yeah. so fun. Thank you for having me. And for this, this meeting. Got you. <laughs> yes.